everyone, to yet another episode in our English coverage of this podcast. But I have good news for you today, because this is the last episode that we're going to talk about grammar on the English section. So we're just going to cover a few other topics that we haven't hit yet, and we'll just finish up the grammar section right here. But before we get going, I just want to give a shout out to one of our listeners. We've got one listener so far that's listening to every episode on Stitcher. Shout out to whoever you are. I don't know your name, but you're great. Keep it up, and let's get into it. So I know most of you are not looking at the blog, but for those of you who do, go ahead and open up the blog. The link is in the episode notes, as always. And we're going to look at just a few topics today. We're going to start with modifiers. If you don't know what a modifier is, that's pretty common. Um, a modifier is simply something in the English language that describes something. So adjectives are modifiers. For example, if I say the red house, the word red is telling us something about the house. It's describing the house, so that's a modifier. Modifiers can also be phrases, though. They're not just one word. So I could say my neighbor that lives across the street. The whole phrase that lives across the street is a modifier because it describes the neighbor. It gives us a little more detail on who that neighbor is. So today we're going to talk about modifiers, and the, the basic rule for modifiers on the ACT is that you want modifiers to be right next to the thing that they modify. So on the blog I have two examples, sorry, I just have one example with a right and a wrong use of modifiers. So the wrong use says, my grandma put some cookies for the grandkids in the oven. So the way this sentence is written, it sounds like the grandkids could be in the oven, which hopefully they're not. But if we correct that, we say, my grandma put some cookies in the oven for the grandkids. So the phrase in the oven was clearly supposed to describe the cookies. So we want the phrase in the oven to be right next to cookies. So to correct that sentence, all we had to do is take the phrase in the oven from the end of the sentence and put it right after cookies. And that's the main idea with modifiers. It's actually quite simple. If you have a phrase that you're moving around in a question, we'll look at some examples of this. You simply want to think, what is this describing? And you put that phrase next to whatever thing it's describing. So the next thing I want to talk about are comparisons. This is another kind of minor subject, um, modifiers and comparisons. You might see like two questions about them on the ACT. Um, but with comparisons, the one thing you really need to know is that the ER ending is for comparing two things, and the EST ending is for comparing more than two things. So a simple example of that would be like, an elephant is bigger than a lion. We're only talking about two things, the elephant and the lion, so we use the ER ending, bigger. But if you wanted to say, like, the blue whale is the biggest animal on Earth, biggest is now comparing the blue whale with every other animal, so there's more than two things, so we use the EST ending. So you might see a few questions that relate to that. And then there's just a few other things I'm just going to mention, and you just want to kind of keep this in mind as you're answering some of these questions. One, whenever you're listing items, make sure you list them in a similar way. There's not tons of questions about this, but it's helpful to know for a few questions. So if you're listing items, so if you have three or four or five items in a list, you want them to be roughly similar in the way they're listed. Uh, number two, watch out for run-ons and sentence fragments. So a run-on sentence is essentially, it's a sentence that has more than one complete sentences inside of it, but it doesn't have the right punctuation to combine those complete sentences. And a sentence fragment is kind of the opposite. It's where you don't have a complete sentence, but you it's punctuated like with a period at the end so that it looks like it should be a sentence, but it isn't quite there. 
So to have a complete sentence, you need to have a subject and a verb. If you have a run-on, you have more than one subject-verb pairs. The reason this is important is just, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about with our punctuation episodes. Whenever you're inserting or taking away punctuation in a sentence, you want to make sure that doing that does not either make a run-on sentence or make a sentence fragment. So watch out for those because it's pretty common with punctuation questions. And then the last thing I want to mention is just trust your ear. Again, I've talked about this before, but your ear will tell you most of these questions, what you need to do and how you need to answer them. There's going to be some that you have to actually think about these grammar rules, but remember all these grammar rules that we've talked about so far in these episodes, these are all secondary to trusting your ear. And with all that being said, let's open up that 2018 test and look at a few examples. The first one we're going to look at is number two, right up near the top in the English section. That's on page 12 of this PDF. The sentence says, delighted, each sculpture was left secretly and was later discovered by staff. So this is an example of a modifier question. If you look at G, H, and J, the answer choices, each one of those is basically rewording the entire sentence. It's rearranging the order of the words. And let's just read through those and see what we think. So G says, each sculpture was left secretly and later discovered by delighted staff. H, left secretly and later discovered by staff, each sculpture was delighted. J, secretly delighted, each sculpture was discovered by staff. So the keywords here are secretly and delighted. These are the words that are moving around in these sentences. Let's think, what would delighted be describing? And what would secretly be describing? Well, delighted should be describing the staff. It should not be describing the sculptures because the sculpture can't be delighted. And secretly should be describing some kind of action. It's an adverb, adverbs end with L-Y. And so secretly should be describing some kind of action that was taken. Um, the only actions we have are discovered and left, so secretly should either be describing left or discovered. Knowing that, and knowing that these are modifiers that are describing something, all we need to do is put each of these modifiers next to the thing they modify. So we said delighted is modifying staff, so the word delighted needs to be right next to staff, which, looking through them, G is the only one that gives us that option. And then G also is putting secretly by left. So it says, each sculpture was left secretly and later discovered by delighted staff. So in that sentence, these two descriptive words are next to the thing they're describing, which is exactly what we want with these modifiers. So G is the right answer. The next one we're going to look at is number 41, which is another modifier type question. So 41 says, the best placement for the underlined portion would be... So this question actually has a question involved. It doesn't just have an underlined part and then four different options. So they're asking, where should we put the underlined portion in the sentence? So I'm going to read the sentence. It says, their interiors, though, are smooth, clear glass stained with tiny bubbles trapped, formed by air and moisture during the rapid cooling of the melted sand after the lightning strike. Okay, that was a confusing sentence. But let's just look at formed by air and moisture. So if I glance through that sentence, I'm looking for what might be formed by air and moisture in this sentence. It could be the glass, it could be the bubbles, could be the sand, but most likely it looks like the bubbles are what were formed by air and moisture. Keeping to my rule that I want a description, a modifier, to be right next to the thing it describes, I simply want to get that phrase formed by air and moisture right next to bubbles. So the different answer choices give me right after the word bubbles, which is probably good, after the word during, and after the word cooling. The best option of those is to put it after the word bubbles. And if I reread the sentence, it says, 
Their interiors, though, are smooth, clear glass stained with tiny bubbles formed by air and moisture trapped during the rapid cooling of the melted sand after the lightning strike. Long sentence, but it sounds okay when I put that formed by air and moisture phrase, when I put that right next to bubbles, it sounds good. So just remember, anytime you are moving around a descriptive word, make sure that you are putting it right next to the thing that it describes. The next question we're going to look at is number 27. The sentence with number 27 says... But at a length of 22 feet, Pollock's masterpiece was best suited with a grand voyage. So let's look at the different options they give us. Best suited with a grand voyage. That sounds a little bit weird to me. So let's try out the other ones. Uh, B says most well suited to a grand voyage, better suited for a grand voyage, and best suited as a grand voyage. So to answer this question, we have to consider two things. One is the word at the very end of this underlined portion. In A, it has with. In B it has two, in C it has four, and D it has as. Each one of those words is a little bit different, and just reading these four sounds the best, saying Pollock's masterpiece was better suited for a grand voyage. But then we have to think, okay, what kind of comparison do we want to make here? In B, D, and A, we're all getting this best idea. And remember, if you have an EST ending, like best in this case, that means we're comparing multiple things. C has better, which is ER ending, which means we're just comparing two things. So let's look around and see what we're comparing this grand voyage to. If I look at the sentence right before the sentence I just read, it says, in his childhood imagination, he had saw himself floating the boat in his neighbor's swimming pool. Then continuing, but at a length of 22 feet, Pollock's masterpiece was best suited with a grand voyage. So what we're comparing this grand voyage to is just having the boat float in the neighbor's swimming pool which is only one other thing. Our best option is C, better, because we're only comparing the voyage to one other thing, which is the swimming pool, and also the word for at the end of this comparison chunk sounds the best. It sounds better than as or to or with. So the best option here is C, better suited for. So there's a couple examples of what we just talked about, modifiers and comparisons. Um, remember to watch out for the other things we mentioned, just fragments and run-on sentences, especially when you're changing punctuation. You need to be aware of those. So congratulations, everyone. You've made it through the end of the grammar on the English section. You're officially freed from grammar land. There will be a couple more episodes about the English section that'll cover the rhetoric side of English. This is These are the questions that deal more with good decision-making by the author versus specific grammar rules that you have to implement. So watch out for those episodes in the coming weeks. I'd also like to remind you, if you haven't been doing this already, make sure you're practicing. It's really, really important to practice these kinds of things. So you can practice with this test we've been looking at. There's lots of questions we haven't gone over, and there's lots of online resources as well. I'm planning to set up a blog post on the blog with links to a bunch of the online resources that I use when I tutor um, that'll be helpful to you as you look for practice materials. It's when you practice that this stuff actually starts to make sense, when all these rules start to come together, and especially being able to do that in the time you have on the ACT is super important, and that's where practice comes into play. And as a last thing before I wrap up, I'd just like to say, if you found this podcast helpful, please share it with your friends. I'd like as many people to hear this as possible. These are tips that I know can help you improve your score. I've seen this many, many times in my students, that that going over these rules and these these strategies helps them do better. And we'll get into more stuff on the other sections as well, with science and reading and math. Those will be coming after this section's done. But please share it with anyone that you think could benefit from it. And if you're listening on Apple, go ahead and rate and review. 
leave me some feedback. I love to hear how this is helpful and how it can be improved. You can also email me at 36actpodcast at gmail.com with any tips or suggestions you have for me that you think I could do to improve this podcast. I really want it to benefit you, the listeners. So please let me know what I can do to make this better. Thanks, and I'll see you on the next episode.